music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's Matt Pinfield. Welcome to the Hivecast. Excited today to have Black Prairie, who I haven't seen in quite a while, uh, in the studio here. Last time it was on my radio show uh, here in New York City. And uh, I'm hanging out right now with Nate, with Chris, with John, and Annalisa. Guys, good to see you. You. you guys have been really busy lately, which I think is very cool. And I just also want to tell you, I finally got to visit your fair city of Portland, <laughs> which I loved. It's been exactly a year because it was the shoot Portlandia, like my guest spot on there. And it was, um, you know, I was really happy to, to finally get there. So I bookended a day on each of the shoot dates and, you know, got to go around the town. And the food was great. The vibe I love, what's the name of the bookstore? It's the, the, the independent bookstore. Yeah, Pals, the giant bookstore. That, that is amazing. It's Honestly, I love Book Soup in LA and like, you know, Strand here for independent bookstores too. But that is like the greatest music book section yeah, that Pals I've seen. Has it's the unbeatable. greatest everything section. Yeah, it's, it's, crazy. So, it's so amazing. And I went to that indie theater too, the living room where you sit down yeah. and you'd watch, you know, like I saw a good documentary in there called The Imposter. And then just went out to eat and then, of course, did the stuff with Fred and Carrie, which was great to do Portlandia. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's too bad Sparkle Pony isn't here. With yeah, us, well, I was going to ask about <laughs> Jenny. Know, yeah. Jenny uh, was trying to get into all those gigs in that yeah. one scene, you know, which yeah. is great. Yeah, so, you know, Jenny's not with us right now, you know, but I, I'm just so happy to hear that she's been really healthy and doing well lately, right? Everything's good. Everything's in remission. And Yeah, she's out in Times Square right now, walking yeah, around somewhere. I love that. So. That's You know, that makes me so unbelievably happy. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I just got to tell you, it's great. Well, you know, you're not, you've all done TV before. I mean, right? Well, at some point, right? Nate, wasn't it the Colbert Report that you did that time? Oh, no, Chris did the oh, Colbert Chris, Report. Chris, was that but you? we did it with Decemberist later, too. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah. Chris, was that your thing with, with Elliot Spitzer was there? Yeah, that's right. I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know him, though, yeah, just well, for the record. I, I can just tell you, he just lost his bid at the election here in New York City, and it's karma for going after the record industry and the radio industry. It's like, why kick a, right. a, you know, a, a, a business that's already struggling to figure out how to get on its feet? He just came after it as like a... So, I, yeah. so I'm not sad that he didn't get in his controller. <laughs> right. so, you know what I mean? Not in any way at all. Yeah. But let's get to the... We'll get to the music side of things as well. Now, you just... You recently have done some really cool things. You know, you've come and played City Winery here in New York City. But uh, you also did the Newport Folk Festival. And Chris, this stare down thing with you and Jim James from, from My Morning Jacket. <laughs> did you challenge him or did he challenge you? I need to know. Uh, boy. <laughs> I don't, I, honestly, it came it, out of, it, uh, it came out of, so I, I hosted these workshop stages there, which also came out of me opening my big mouth and telling the promoter of Newport, Jay, um, that you should have some workshops. And he's like, well, why don't you host them? And I was like, uh, okay, which meant I had to get up at like 6 o'clock every morning and <laughs> go like, down on site and be there by 10. But um, anyways, Jim, I asked Jim to do it and, you know, to come on and be on the workshop. I had the Ava Brothers and the Lumineers and all these great people, Langhorn Slim. And he's like, well, I'm really tired from touring, so can we just do like a Q&A? And then I smartly replied in like text message, how about a staring contest? And he was like, oh, absolutely. And then time went by and then I was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, we're doing the staring contest, right? And I was like... Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> and we did. I so. saw the photos. It's classic of you guys like, sitting across from each other. Yeah, I don't. And I don't was know. it more of like was it a staring contest or was it was it there any serious meditation involved or was this completely for fun? Well, once I got there, he's like, "Okay, I got it." So I'll close my eyes and you close your eyes and we'll sit down and I'll set my iPhone for like twenty five minutes and when it vibrates, we'll just stand up. So we we basically meditated in front of people for twenty five yeah. minutes. 
Which, I mean, there's quite an audience for it there. Did they respect uh, you with some quiet? Got some, got some anger. There were some screams of the emperor wears no clothes and Judas at one <laughs> yeah. point too. So I, I oh, there you go. <laughs> you know the Dylan history stuff there. Yeah. I mean, playing playing that festival, um, so much, so many great things have happened there over the years. I mean, you obviously know the history of it too, Annalisa. Was it was it exciting to play there? And had you guys done it before? Well, I'll never forget driving in with Michael Hurley. So he, Michael Hurley's on tour with us. Yeah. And the, I'm not quite sure how old he is. I I uh, was afraid to ask. But he was so fun to be on tour with. And um, Was he going through some old stories about, like, the New Folk, Newport Folk Festival and Dylan and well, Joan Baez and Buffy St. Marie if, and Tom he, he Rush? Said he, <laughs> you know, he said he drove yeah. Mississippi John Hurt there in 1964. Right. Or wow. He's like, I didn't play. I just, I just drove him there. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, what, what year did this festival die? Like, he was, he was a little like, I think he was, it, you know, it's not, a, it's not truly a folk festival as much. It's true to its roots, but not completely. But then he performed and then his attitude changed because we had a great set with him. Yeah, well, We were sitting in traffic at the time that he said that. So I think yeah. he was kind of ready to get out of the van a little bit. Yeah, he was kind of, at that point a little frustrated or uncomfortable. But, um, what, you know, there's so much great history there and so many great people that have played over the years. And especially going back to that period when the folk scene in, in, in Greenwich Village here, or the village as we like to call it, um, there were so many great clubs back then and everybody kind of, Dave Van Ronk and, you know, Dylan and everybody kind of all supporting each other, you know what I mean? Fred Neal, all these people, they're pretty fantastic. Yeah, I, I you think know? that festival still does a good job of sort of fostering the backstage artist hang yeah. in, the, in that spirit. It's one of the best festivals out there, hands down. Yeah, I mean, I, it sounded like it was a great time, and it was a great lineup this year. Yeah, it's bananas. I loved it. Ed, <laughs> as we were getting ready to leave the very last day, I, I stepped over some people that were skinny dipping. Yeah. I stepped over their clothes, I mean. Yeah. And so I'm stepping over these clothes and just not really looking out there because I know they're having a wonderful time. I'm going to give them their privacy. And then I walk back... Uh, <laughs> And it's Michael Hurley skinny dipping <laughs> <Is it>? with <laughs> some found Newport festival festivalians. That's fantastic. So, and you were like, you know, I almost stepped on your clothes. I did. <laughs> you know I, I mean? recognized his shirt. Yeah, there you go. That's an amazing story. That sounds like a great time. Tell me, you know, I obviously love the last album, A Tear in the Eye is a Wound in the Heart. And uh, there's so many great songs on there. Obviously, you know, I have to. Oh, I always wanted to ask you about Nowhere, Massachusetts. What was that about? Was it? Be, tell me a bit about the lyrics to that one. Can you do that? So I, I was on the phone with my boyfriend at the time, yeah. and and I asked him where he was, and he he didn't know. I was at <laughs> a gas station as well, and I just felt like we were both in nowhere. Yeah. You know, it's he a, said he was somewhere in Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm sure nobody up there is really offended by it either, though, because every state has a bit of nowhere in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We all get stuck out, especially when you're on the road, you know, and you're traveling. It's pretty it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, but that has New York in it, too. Yeah, There's it a does. verse about being in New York and everyone's so beautiful. And yeah. You know, the, the, major, the insanity of the city here, of course, is always crazy. And you're talking about the city more, mostly, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, and speaking of... Uh, of beauty we're taping this it's fashion week so oh. you know it's like yeah. i'm walking down the street and i someone's walking in front of me and all of a sudden i see all these paparazzis taking pictures and i'm like what the who is that oh oh that's right it's fashion week <laughs> no i don't have a clue anyway tell me ab about performing wild ones and i know of course 
your drummer John is not here at the moment, right? But we're talking about another John because we have John here too. So John, can right. you, you? I want oh, yeah. you to answer this question okay. as one of the sure. Johns. Tell me about the John, the guy from the New York Times Magazine, who did this film, and tell me about the concept and how he approached you guys. Well, uh, his name is John Muellum. Yeah, and uh, I think he's a yeah he's a writer for the New York Times uh, Magazine. Yeah, and um, he was listening to some of our music while he was writing this book, Wild Ones. And um, had, I think, you and Chris here and John knew each other. And uh, and he approached the band about writing some music as a kind of a reflection on some of the stories in, in the book. And uh, so you think about wildlife, too. And just like, yeah, I mean, they're really, really amazing stories in that book. So um, it was kind of like taking little parts of the book and... Uh, I mean, it was a different kind of concept than I've ever thought of before, like taking a book theme and then trying to write instrumental music mostly. I mean, there's one song that has lyrics, but, you know, like to really get the feel of a polar bear that's going up in a net, you know, It's It's a pretty incredible challenge, actually. I think that's what's cool about it, too, is to actually answer that and to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he, he he, he was a fan of yours. Were you in touch with him? Had he written about you guys before? I don't think so. I mean, Chris, you kind of knew him, yeah, I, right? I, I met him. He was had moved to Portland and was a, a kind of a poetry student, basically yeah. living in a like literally living in a closet of my friend's house. I don't mean that in the other sense of it, the R. Kelly sense. Um, he <laughs> he he was by choice living in the closet. He wasn't trapped. Um, yeah, and um, was it a big enough closet though? It, it, he he claims it was really spacious. Yeah. yeah, he's actually on the road with us right now too. So we're, we're he's reading and we're performing behind him and sort of underscoring his reading. Um, and doing stuff from the other records as yeah. well, of course. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just a you know this kind of this kind of project's the opportunity to write sort of music that might be more obtuse, you know, or at least in the approach to it. You don't have to think about hey, is our label gonna you know, try to market this to radio, which has not always been the, the case with this band to begin with. Um, but it's just a fun project to sort of stretch our wings and just let the creative mind wander. So yeah, It's very cool. I recently read a guy online, which was great. He says he cleans cars for a living, meaning like, I think, rent-a-cars. And he was saying he found uh, the last album, Tear in the Eye, and went... I this is the best thing I've ever found in a car and the best <laughs> CD. So he gave you some love. I just I that's awesome. Great. I read yeah. that and thought it was so cool. I'm like yeah. you know, because you can imagine how many CDs he finds that people forget, right? Because they're rushing to get out of their thing to oh, the yeah. airport or drop off their car. Oh, and I just God. thought that was a fantastic story. <laughs> um, you know, so you you've done an Elliott Smith cover on that one Elliott Smith tribute record, right? Was it uh, a while ago? Did you work on one for that? Because somebody told me that you did. Did you ever guys ever do an Elliott Smith cover? Or no? Yeah, I did one actually. Well, did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, did you? Yeah. Like another project I have. Tell oh, me about that. I don't. Man, that was a while ago. You're digging deep. That, uh, <laughs> I don't. It was just a, a someone in town. They did it as a. Uh, I think it was a benefit for Elliott's um, funeral. Pro- not for his, for his like program. But I think it's for uh, actually for battered children, I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, any chance to cover his music would be great. We should cover an Elliot Smith song. That's we're kind of deep into classic rock covers right now. Yeah. What our, are you doing for covers right now? Well, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> oh, you but, know, uh, we did. I mean, we've been doing the song remains the same. Led Zeppelin. Very cool. And I'd now love we're, to hear that now we're doing uh, Kansas Carry On. Wayward Son. Wayward Son. Yeah. Yeah. I bet they both reason. sound great. I'd, I'd love to hear. Don Lisa sings them both. So come Do to you? find out, all those people sing like women. You know, which is yeah. Like, so well, Robert Pl- <laughs> Plant does have that high voice. He really does. <laughs> yeah. He's very. He's very sexy, and I'm yeah. a heterosexual male. So there you go. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny, though. I was watching this show called Boss with Kelsey Grammer, and Robert Plant does the theme, and it's really, like, quiet and bluesed out, and I went, who is this? And then I looked at the credits, and I go, oh, my God, it's Robert Plant. It's it really great. It's yeah. very basic, really quiet, minimal instrumental uh, blues thing. It's wow. a new song, you know? His later life stuff, I mean, he's like, you know, some people go the way of Vegas, and he's just, like, getting better. It's yeah, kind of, it's, it's very cool. He's just going yeah. after, you know, he came to a listening party one day and started referencing Cocteau Twins to, like, and talking about all these things, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know? I and remember it, years ago, turning him on to other music after I interviewed him and Jimmy Page back uh, in the 90s. Wow. So he could go there because we were talking about Arthur Lee and Love, and he's like, yeah, Brian McClain, man, they just released some of his old demos. I got to go find it. Where would I get it in town, Matt? I'm like, go to other music. So wow. he went there, awesome. showed him where it was, brought him over there, and, you know, and, he, went and he did his shopping thing, uh, which was really cool. But I got the Elliott Smith story that I love is, you know, I was a fan of Heat Miser, and then he went solo. And my one of my old roommates was engineering him working on a single that I don't think ever came out on maybe for Kill Rock Stars, uh, and he recorded a song he did later, "Bottle Up and Explode," oh, and yeah. his cover of Big Stars Thirteen. Oh yeah. So my friend brought it home, and I'm like, "Holy, this is amazing!" You know. Yeah. So I'm interviewing him around the time that you know the Academy Award nomination takes place, and he's coming into MDB too. And I, I said, Elliot, I go, Why you, are you going to put out that "Bottle Up and Explode" song? Man, that song is amazing. I love it. He goes. Oh, I don't think it was really quite finished yet. I'm like, no, it's fantastic, man. So I don't know if he went back in. I know he went back in and re-recorded it, but I don't know if he added something to it, but he, find, he put it out on that next album, XO. So I was yeah. like, if I planted a seed, I'm not sure it was me, but necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to take credit for, for that. <laughs> no, but I just like, I love that song. You got some A&R credit for yeah. Red Smith's. <laughs> yeah, just next, to the <laughs> one, <laughs> just next to the one song. Right. Of course, yeah. I, guess, I, I actually just was cleaning my basement and listened to that record like two days ago. It's, it's a crazy. great album. Yes, it's yeah. nuts, man. It's so good. I love that album. I mean, every Once record, number, yeah. put out, I don't think he put out a bad record. I agree with you there, too. You know, he just... I love that. This is the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. So what other things are happening? Like, are you guys are doing this for a while. What's the future of the Decemberists right now? How's Colin doing? How's everybody over there? Colin's good. He um, he just finished his third installment of his Wildwood, which would be a trilogy. Yeah. So he's been writing books like crazy. And um, we uh, we actually did some recording, Decemberists did some recording, I guess it was in the late, or early summer just we, we were gonna get together and just like try out some songs and actually recorded three songs in like three days i don't think people are supposed to know that but i don't care yeah, um yeah and well, then I mean, um, we're kind of getting back into in a space together too, yeah so. yeah so we'll we'll start working on a record at the, at the end of year and then um but I think actually Black Prairie will probably probably lap the December's and one more release before the December. Yeah, there's, there's been talk about another record. Tell me what's yeah. going on with the next one. Is it already done? Because you've done some interviews where you mentioned some things. No, but there's really no information out there. We, um, as a matter of fact, we don't even have any songs because Black Prairie's <laughs> been so busy. Um, so the idea is to actually... Michael been in that in that in that van has been making it hard to write there. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, but so tell me. So um, October we'll start writing. Um, or actually, we've been kind of writing we'll right now, but October we'll really concentrate. And then in November, um, we're going to make a record with this guy named Vance Powell, who works a lot with Jack White and um, many others, the Raconteers. And he's going to come up from Nashville and in Portland, and um, we'll record it in November. And I think it'll come out early next year. So we'll kind of keep the momentum going. So, I think it's great. You guys have to because, you know, so many people love what you guys have been doing, you know, so... Um, I also have to ask you, so who are some of your, we talked about Newport Folk Festival too, who are some of your heroes that, you know, when you listen, when you take the music that you love, 
and that what you're doing is Black Prairie. When you listen to some of the bluegrass, some of the folk influence, even, you know, you'll hear some jazz in there. You hear a bunch of different things, you know. Um, even like, you know, I know you're fans of Ennio Morricone, you know, some of the spaghetti western stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of things in there. Who are some of your, your heroes when you listen to this music and decide to pick up and do the stuff that you're doing currently? You want to start? Nate? Well, it's really all over the place, and it depend. And all of us have really different. I'd love to hear who's too, each one of you. But like. like with some of the stuff we've done, I actually like to find influences from like listen to like metal, like Mastodon or yeah, or Sabbath and stuff like that, and try and think how to translate that to the instrumentation we have. It's been fun to do classic rock covers because of that, because it it opens up crazy possibilities when you're trying to do this really riffy rhythmic stuff because with acoustic instruments we also most of us don't have tons of sustain um you know with like the so you have to kind of fill in those yeah, notes it's, you it's know what i mean where that, you have to change what you do and yeah and then like you know playing upright bass is so much harder <laughs> than playing electric yeah. bass that doing this classic rock stuff's interesting but um but yeah everybody should answer this question because it's really interesting how our influences just come from all over the place i mean that's awesome mastodon yeah. do some cool covers too i was talking to them about their some of their thin Lizzy stuff that they've done and some you know, the that's double what, leads. You yeah, know, that's John? what we we actually Chris and I were listening to Mastodon um coming up with uh kind of getting inspired for like a met, like a different part on the um thirty four wishes album on the yeah. Tear in the Eye the Wind yeah. in the Heart album. Yeah. And um like I myself go from listening to metal and you know, classical and jazz. Like I play in a group where we do like all like Duke Ellington and Django Reinhardt stuff. Oh, and I play great. in a, like a kind of a straight ahead bluegrass band where I just love like Clarence White. He's yeah. probably my biggest influence yeah. on the guitar. Amazing. Probably him and Django Reinhardt. Yeah. But you know, like I'd love to, I got a chance a little bit ago to like record a track on a friend's album through like a Marshall stack. And yeah. You've done a lot of that. All you guys have, have guested with other people, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, yeah. You know, I know that you, you Nate played with the Chieftains too, didn't you? Or did, did oh, you? that was. Yeah. I'm going to ask because that's the, really cool. The Decemberists did a whole song with the Chieftains for their 50 year anniversary box set. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we actually had. The Decemberists had two days in the studio with T Bone Burnett. It was amazing. That, that was so yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. He came to Portland too and did it at Tucker's place. And oh, really? It's great living in Portland because it's easy to get people to come there, and so we don't have to travel to them. Yeah. It's time. To well, everybody wants to go to a great city yeah. like that. Yeah. I know I want to go again. I hope I have the opportunity yeah. one of these days soon to get up there. How about you, Annalisa? Who are some of your biggest influences? Well, I I was really excited to Chris Funk showed me this band called Tarafta Hadouks. Yeah. From Romania and. And I just, that's where I wanted to learn. Uh, I got inspired for, uh, and we found a Stroh violin, which is the one with the horn on the side. Yeah, which is very cool. Then I also, at uh, Bonnaroo, I saw Bjork, which blew my mind. Yeah. It's the first time I saw her live. She was amazing. She's just this little woman, but so huge all at the yeah. same time. And in Newport, um, I was really inspired by Andrew Bird. Yeah, he's. A great I think guy. his violin playing is just so incredible. Yeah, he is great, and his whistling, all the stuff that he does. Yeah, you know, uh, I Bjork. I remember having dinner with her and her son when he was ten, and he's an adult now. But years ago, we were down here downtown, and wow. her son Michael was like, "I wanted me to find Star Wars 
paraphernalia stuff for her. Yeah. I remember he's like, she's a sweetheart. I mean, I've interviewed her on 120 over the years in radio, yeah. Sugar Cubes, and um, oh, yeah. but she's so cool. But I just remember her son, just with you know her with her ten year old, and awesome. I always whenever I think of her, and I, I always think of him in Star Wars. It's kind of like I can't, so you funny. know, what I, mean? I can't separate. The she two. looked kind of like Star Wars last, yeah. like yeah. when we saw her <laughs> yeah. at um, Bonnaroo. She had this amazing like. Um, silver dress on that oh, was yeah. shaped really weird, yeah. and then she had it looked like like that tinsel if it was like straight and it stuck out all over her face, yeah, and her head yeah. everywhere. Some Queen Amidala cool. stuff going on there for sure. Yeah, awesome. yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Now we we'll, we we'll get to you, Chris. Of course. Oh, uh, influences. Well, I, well I, you have so many, but I'm yeah, not hear them. I think like specific to this band I, when the band started, it was maybe more. Um, we talked about a lot of. Groups like Strength in Numbers, which is a, a bluegrass group that has a lot of kind of famous Telluride stars in it, like Jerry Douglas and Bela Fleck and Edgar Meyer. Oh, great. Um, and then also maybe like bands like um, like New, yeah, Tin Hat Trio or an Astor Piazzolla, like sort of instrumental accordion music because, you know, sort of having the Jenny world in there. And then um, maybe like John Hartford and Newgrass Revival, kind of like the yeah. the 70s freak folks, like sort of bluegrass with humor, yeah. but also excellent songwriting and stuff. So. I think that was the beginning, and it wasn't. It was all going to be instrumental, and then um, we kind of heard Annalisa finally sing. We didn't really know each other when we started. We got to get back to that story too, because you know I know you guys were taking a little time off from the December's. You were in between album cycles and touring, yeah. and you know you just we love all this music. So just if you can just in your words tell us how that all came down. How you well, met. that that's exactly. I mean, it was sort of the idea to play more acoustic music, and I think at the time the December's were leaning more electric. Um, era maybe like Hazards of Love or something so yeah. I personally wanted to play Dobro a lot and just sort of focus on that so the six string square neck slide guitar and um, I don't know like Nate and Jenny and I were just talking like how could we stay busy on tour and not just um, you know space out on the tour bus and like well, let's let's try to write some music that's that's instrumental it so, was originally the intention was originally just most all instrumental right? yeah that's right yeah. and then um just sort of filling that out, finding some new people. So I'd seen John play with his bands, and I, he, he could play this American traditional music yeah. better than we could. So I was like, I want to play with him. Yeah. And then I'd met Annalisa through a friend of mine, a songwriter named Ashley Flynn, and um, I was like, there's this girl that rips on fiddle from Alaska living here. We should we should look her up. And she's like, okay. And off we went. That's very cool that, <laughs> that happened. And then, you know, because it didn't really come to form until 2005, but you kept you continued at that point, too, to... Was it, were, there was more adding at that period of time, right? Is it true, Nate? We, we literally spent like three years just playing in mostly my living room and writing songs before we made a record or played a show. So it was really laid back and getting to know each other. And we recorded a demo in like 2008 or something. Is that the one that Sugar Hill Records heard? Yeah, that's the one that we did it at my house and just recorded in different rooms. And we didn't even like finish it. And then we played it. I don't remember why, but Chris was in touch with somebody from Sugar Hill and just said, hey, check out this track. And they were like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. And we just, they wanted to put out a record, so we decided to make one, finally. Actually, yeah. Get busy. It was actually because this uh, gal named Sarah Jarosz, who's a great songwriter. She had, yeah. she had covered a December song, uh, Shankill Butchers, and yeah. they sent it to us. Sugar Hill sent it to us. And the A&R person named Gary Pachosa, who's actually a, an amazing engineer also, um, it happens to be the A&R person for Sugar Hill. And I was like, hey, I've got this pretend sort of bluegrass band would you listen to it <laughs> and he said this is great what do you want to put it out and we were like okay like none of us could believe it that yeah. our little living room 
thing would so was going to have life. We haven't even played a gig, so yeah. thanks to Sarah Jarrell's covering a December song is how that all went down. That's so very thanks, cool. Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was your first label on the first record then, right? Yeah, yeah and it still is. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're yep. still working with those guys, which yep. is great. They're, they're a perfect label for you guys, you know? Yeah, it's great. It's been really great. So tell me, how, how much more touring are you guys going to do for this cycle, for this for the Wild Ones? Are you going to do continue to do performances of this mixed in with stuff from the other albums? I mean, on this trip, you know, we've got like another four dates with John Muellum where we're going to do the Wild Ones. Are they all close to like New York so we can stay in this area? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Boston and D.C., Yeah, um, New York. But I think that's the end of, I think, as far as this year... Yeah. Goes at least for the performances with John Muellum. But I think after this trip, we're going to just be busy writing and recording and then probably, you know, start up touring next year. Yeah. We also, when we get home, we have a performance with the Oregon Symphony, which will be amazing. Oh, yeah. oh so, wow. Where are, you, where are you guys doing that? That's at the Arlene Schnitzer, which is downtown in yeah. Portland. Um, so they're, I think I walked by it. Yeah, yeah, it's right downtown there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful venue. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. so, so excited to do that. I'm so excited for that. That'll be that. Yeah, that'll kind of close the chapter on Tear in the Eye era now, touring, which is really so. Great. Let me t- do what with the Oregon Symphony. What, what have, you, have, you, have you rehearsed with them much? And is it going to be a lot of stuff? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what did they did they or did the, you pick kind of the lineup of songs? Did they say, "Hey, we want to do"? Right. Oh no, it's up to us. They're actually doing it. Yeah. They you know? they decided over the next like five years to do. Um, a series of like the indies where each show is a performance of the symphony with three different Portland artists. Who else is doing it? Do so you know? Holcomb Waller and Mira are the other two people that do, doing it when right. we do it. So we each get three songs with the symphony or I mean more if you want, but they basically gave us a budget that only covers arrangements for a few songs and then a little bit of performing by ourselves. And so it's like the audience gets to see three different Portland wow. artists perform with the symphony and over the course of the next few years, they'll do a half dozen of these concerts. I would love to see that. Do oh, you know man. what songs yet? Do you got the three down or no? Yeah, because we have to have them arranged. Yeah. So we're doing uh, How Do You Ruin Me. We're doing 34 that. Wishes. Oh, great. The, the insane <laughs> I want I wanna, I wanna I to put down yeah. the guitar and go and back and play timpani. But you know, that's so perfect for that song, too. We were just yeah. talking about it. We were trying to use some yeah. of those metal elements. Well, yeah. And with symphony, it just like brings them. Well, like there's a gong on the yeah. recording. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. John, you know? John, this is John's. <laughs> John uh, Newfield's dream. First of all, thirty-four wishes was was a dream. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was on my thirty-fourth birthday. And then he yeah. was really he like wrote it all out in a computer scoring program and was really really had really specific ideas about all these sections, which isn't always the case. Like usually we bring a song in and we just kind of play it. But he was like, yes, you know, the dynamics and everything it was like he. And and every time we'd get it, he'd be like, "Oh, this is, my dream is coming true." And then when we found out we were going to do it with the symphony. John's like, oh, can we have timpani? And I mean, it's just and the gong, yeah, it's so big excited. cymbals <laughs> that go yeah, at the right yeah, it time. Sounds great. I, yeah. I would love to see that. Are you going to get film it? I'm sure. Will it be filmed and put online, or you're not allowed to? Because is there the a union? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, it Man, seems like the unions always stuff. get in. It's like here, you know, people yeah. will cut their sets short because they don't want to be fined twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. Love them and hate them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. you, you want people to be protected in their jobs and have certain rights, and I agree with all that. Sure, but. The whole thing about when it you shuts can't down, film them, you yeah. can't do this. When it shuts down the party, yeah. it's no fun. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We could just amend something there. <laughs> Guys, it was so great to have you in today. I just really wanted to say I, it was it was excellent. Thank and the you. Next Thank time you so you, much. The next time you come in, 
Um, hopefully we can have you guys perform, which I think would be really yeah. cool too. So Absolutely. we'll have a new yeah. album by then, probably. Which will be great. Yeah. So, yeah. so thanks so much for coming by. Thank, Thank you. you. And make sure you pick up from Black Prairie the most two recent things: the ten inch, or the CD, right, of Wild yeah. Ones, yeah. as well as a Tear in the Eyes, a Wound in the Heart. Great album. It's Matt Pinfield and the Hivecast guys. Thanks for coming by. Thank thanks. you. All right, take care now. This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.